The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Today on episode 89 of Mr. Benfica, Benfica are five points clear. Top of the table in the Liga Nage. The Darwin and Waldschmidt show continues as Benfica's young guns shine. Andrea Almeida is injured badly and may not be back this season. Luis Felipe Vieira breaks his silence, and he does so in the friendly confines of the TV studios at RTP. Also in the news today, we've got the latest on women's football, men's basketball, rink hockey, and the other modalities. And there's also much, much more coming your way here on episode 89 of Mr. Benfica. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 89 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. And how is everybody doing so far this week? In this episode, of course, we're going to be looking back and reviewing Benfica's 3-0 victory on the road at Riwav last weekend. We'll take a quick uh, peek ahead to later this week. Uh, the Europa League match on the road at Lech Poznan. And we'll also talk about a lot of other things going on in Benfica Nation. Uh, not to mention the <laughs> what was intended to appear as an unexpected, but was very much a pre-planned, invited visit from our president, Luis Felipe Vieira, to the RTP Studios in Porto on a Sunday following our match. That's right. Our president uh, showed up on the RTP talk program through the talk. Um, and, uh, well, let's just say he won't debate our, he won't debate his opponents in our, in our presidential race on our network, but he will go into the friendly confines of RTP studios and uh, take questions from, from a portista like Antonio Oliveira, who he, he mentions in the, in the interview, pretty much right away, that they are great friends. 
So softball questions for Luis Felipe Vieta. The good news is um, there'll be more on that coming up later in the week. Okay, but um, a lot of people, a lot of you, turned off by that that uh, appearance on that show, as um, it was much of the same from the president. It's something we've been hearing for years now from him. He really does not change his rhetoric at all. He did. He did disclose a few um, a few good things, and like I said, there'll be more on that later in the week. Also, we've got in the news. We've got uh, women's football, men's basketball, rink hockey news, futsal, you name it, volleyball, um, handball. We we're gonna talk about all of the modalities today here on Mister Benfica. And as always, this episode is available both in podcast format and will be available shortly on YouTube on the Mr. Benfica YouTube channel. If you're listening now and it's not up yet, please just sit tight. It will be there within a day or so. Um, some point At some point on Thursday, October the 22nd, it will be up and available on YouTube for viewing. Okay, so I wanted to get this episode complete and out to you before Benfica played their Europa League match this Thursday in Poland against Lech Poznan. So here it is for you. It is episode 89 of Mr. Benfica talking about the 3-0 victory in Vila do Conde over Riuav. And before we get to it, as we have the news coming up on the other side of this break, we're going to take a quick pause to pay a bill and then we will get right into the news and that will be followed, of course, by Reconquista. And after that, we will get into the episode, into the meat and potatoes of the episode as we will talk Befica Riuav, or Riuav Befica to be exact, from Vila do Conde and an unusually uh, smooth and um, I'm not going to say easy because it was a solid performance, but a tranquil, um, a tranquil performance and result from Befica against a, a, a side that normally gives us much, much trouble especially on that pitch especially on the back end of an international break so this was a very very well uh well planned and well executed match for Benfica all right this is Mr. Benfica I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu you can follow me on Twitter on at excuse me uh Benfica Mr. on Instagram at Mr. Benfica on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica and of course um you can always email me at the Mr. Benfica at gmail.com. We'll be right back with the news. And welcome to another Mr. Benfica a episode 89. It is time for the news. I am, of course, the Mr. Mike Agustinu. You can find me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica. On Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And as always, you can email me with any questions, concerns, criticisms, any of the above. I love it all. Positive, negative, anything. Um, constructive, not constructive, insulting. It don't matter. I'll take it all. I love it all. Um, as long as, as your, your feet, you're giving me feedback, that means you're listening. So I take it all and you can send me that feedback via email. It's the Mr. Benfica, one word, obviously the Mr. Benfica at gmail.com. Now in the news for uh, this week, we start with women's football and the women's football side continues their winning ways with a three, one road victory in I should say, on Madeira Island against Maritibu as the Aguirre fielded a somewhat 
rotated squad, having come off a difficult midweek cup tie last week, a difficult victory in the final minutes over Fumley County, book a spot in the Portuguese Cup final. And also, this match comes right on the verge of another international break as Benfica have sent four women to the Portuguese national team for this international break. And as a result, some players were rested. Like I said, Luis Andrade opting to keep out Dani Newhouse, uh, Nicole, Ana Vitoria, and Andrea Faria, to just name a few. And we got to see Carolina Villon get a rare start in goal while Jassi Vasconcelos, Beatriz Camerão, and Carlota Cristo work their way into the starting lineup for the first time this season. And it didn't start well as Benfica would fall behind early to Maritimo, find themselves down a goal, and to make matters worse, veteran central defender, Portugal international, Carol Costa, sent off on an absolutely ridiculous call from a referee that had no business uh, making that call, a referee sending her off for a play that is not a sending off anywhere in the world. Not sure what she was seeing. And... um. I have to say that the level of refereeing for the women's game in Portugal does need to increase. Um, there are some good ones, but then there are some others that are not so good. And this this was a very, very, very bad decision by the referee. And it, it did, it prejudicado, as you say in Portugal, it, it prejudicated, I guess is the English word. It really, it really hurt this match overall. But Benfica would climb their way back and... Uh, with the with the help of an own goal draw level before Darlene would convert a penalty kick in the 45th minute plus four right on the stroke of halftime after Mathilde was taking da- was taken down in the area for the penalty kick and on the hour mark Portugal international central defender Silvia Javillo would seal the three points with a goal and Benfica will take three more points and stay perfect in the Liga BPI. This season, sharing top spot right now with Sporting, um, as the two teams, as expected, will will fight to the end. Of course, this is only the first phase of the championship this year. There's a different format, so they are the top two teams, I should say. Not in the Liga BPI as a whole, but in the Liga BPI South region, okay, the South section, if you will. So the top half of the South section, top half of the North section will meet in the final stage later this year as uh, Benfica Sporting obviously expected to both uh, advance with ease and to fight fight it out for the title later on as the year goes by. Now, moving on, we had men's basketball this weekend, and the Eagles were 97-84 winners on Saturday over Immortal, and they improved to 2-0. Um, being led by a 20-point performance from forward Scotty Lindsay, while center king Eric Coleman had seven boards and two blocks to help out. Next, Benfica traveled to the city of the university. That's right, they're traveling to Coimbra on Saturday to take on Academica. Men's rink hockey were upset last weekend. That's right, they were beaten on the road 5-4 to four by Ribad Av. And the quad skaters now find themselves falling to fourth place with a record of two wins, a loss, and a and a tie. And they sit behind three teams, Oked Barcelos, Valongo, and Sporting, who are all sitting on a record of three wins, no losses, and a tie. 
next up for Benfica Tomar at home on Saturday. Men's handball is victorious once again, this time winners 26-22 over Pavo to keep pace with Sporting atop of the table. We're going to be saying that in a lot of these modalities, in a lot of the different sports, Benfica and Sporting uh, taking the top spots as both teams in, in men's handball have seven wins and zero losses at this stage of the championship. And next for Benfica is a road game on Thursday, tomorrow, October 22nd. By the time you hear this, they probably will have already played, but they're on the road at Boa Ora. Men's football futsal also keeps winning. And last Sunday, it was a 6-0 over over um, Condozu, excuse me, in Guimarães and Benfica have started the league season off with four victories from their four matches. And this Saturday will look to stay perfect, this time at home against Viseu 2011. Women's futsal also long-awaited return to league play as they have not had a match since this COVID outbreak shut everything down last spring. So not, no official matches for Benfica and women's futsal since then. They finally get going this weekend. And the ladies on Saturday will host Vella Luisa. Ovenda Luisa, excuse me. The super dominant women's rink hockey team is off to a 4-0 start. And most recently, um, they were in a rare close matchup. But it was a victory over rival Sporting. I said we were going to say them a lot this in this episode. Four to three at the João Rocha. Uh, that is Spartan's home arena. And Befica sit alone atop the league. Well over 100 straight victories now for the lady skaters. And in men's football, the B team will uh, would lose their fourth straight, um, fourth straight match. All of them by a single goal. And last Saturday, it was the turn of Aroca to beat the baby Befica 1-0. And this coming week, it will be Academic de Viseu visiting the Seychelles in the Liga Pro. A little cycling news, obviously not related to Benfica, but an update on last week. And a week has gone by, and João Almeida is still the leader in the Giro d'Italia. That's right. The College de Reina native still has the Maja Rosa which is the pink jersey, Italian for pink jersey, the Maggia Rosa. And he's holding on to the lead tonight by a mere 17 seconds. There are four stages to go in the Giro d'Italia. On Sunday, a a winner will be crowned in Milan at the final stage, crossing the finish line in the final stage. All of Portugal, I think, as a whole, is behind João Almeida. um, As he tries to make history and bring a major cycling title. To Portugal, and he's only 22 years old. He's also leading in the young riders classification as well. His lead in that category is by two minutes and 48 seconds. He has the opportunity to come back to Portugal with two jerseys from this: the the pink jersey and the white jersey, which represents the young riders. Um, it'll all it'll all be decided in the next four days. There are four stages to go in Italy: Giro d'Italia 2020. And now for the Liga Nage results round number four. Now I'm going to put them on the screen here. For those of you watching on YouTube, of course, special welcome as always. 
And again, if you're listening on the podcast, um, you know you are always welcome as you are my my original audience as the show has now expanded to YouTube. All right, October the 17th, you can see it right there if you're watching. Uh, round number four, it starts with Gilles Vicente 1, Tondela 1, Maritimo 1, Portimonense 2, a surprise victory for the the side from the Algarve on Madeira Island. Braga has found a little bit of form. Their second straight win on the trot. This time, 2-1 winners over Nacional at the Pedreira. And then the big one Saturday, our two main rivals, Sporting and Porto. You say, who are they playing against, right? That's the funny meme. It's like Grand Jogo, big game. Sporting e Porto. And the question is, contra quem? Against who? As these two teams are often, at least by, by many of us, seen as one and the same. But the best possible result for us in this one. They couldn't have been, gone any better as Sporting and Porto draw two all. And both teams drop points to us. Because on Sunday, we get four more matches. It starts off with Bulanis Sad nil-nil at the Jamur with Mureres. Passage Ferreira, 2-1 winners over Santa Clara. The Bravos of Surianos drop their first match of the season and, and lose pace with Benfica Sporting in Porto a little bit. Ferenc and Famalicão play to a three-all draw in Algarve. And, of course, the match that this episode will spend the majority of the time talking about. It was in Vila do Conde, and it is Rio Avenil, Benfica 3. Benfica pushes themselves further ahead of all contenders right now. It's only four rounds in. We can't get euphoric, can't get too excited, but it is a good place to be at this stage of the season. We can't ask for any better. And then on Monday, Boa Vista at home loses 1-0 to Vitoria Guimarães as João Henrique's debuts as manager, having replaced Tiago Mensch. Uh, something fitting about a, a Vitoria Guimarães manager being named Henrique, of course, just like the first king of Portugal. And at that time, Guimarães, the capital of Portugal, when, of course, Afonso Henrique was king. Now, that is going to do it for the news this week. All right, those of you listening on the podcast, we're going to take a quick little break. All right, you're going to get a quick message, and then we're going to get right in to the match. We're going to get right into Riwab versus Benfica. If you're watching on YouTube, sit tight for about 10 seconds. Here on Mr. Benfica on the PTB Media Network. Passo a passo, o caminho é duro Temos muita história, mas ainda mais futuro Conto com dificuldade em cada jornada sofrida A glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Quem não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força, sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora, nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega 
Benfica. It is episode 89. I am the Mr. Mike Agostinho and we are ready to talk about Riwa versus Benfica. If you're watching on the screen, you see the lineups there. On the left here is the lineup for the home side Riwav at the Stadio dos Arcos. In goal is Kishek, Barokovic, Santos and Montalegre across the back in this 3-4-2-1. Across the midfield, Ivo Pinto is on the right. Tarantini and Felipe Augusto in the center with Carlos Mané going down the left up front. Oliveira and Lucas Piz- oh, I should say Oliveira Geraldo and Lucas Piazon playing in behind Bruno Moreira. Jorge Jesus would, would name the following 11, a, mo- a little bit more full strength 11 for this one as Odie is back in goal as always. Under Almeida, the captain and the right back, uh, the center back pairing for the first time. And it's, it's the pairing we're probably going to see at the very least until January. If Lucas Verissimo does, in fact, join us in January, if he can displace one of these two, we'll wait and see. But for now, it is Otamendi and Vertonghen. Uh, Superian returns after missing the last match with a facial fracture. You would have noticed he was wearing a protective mask over his face. Grimaldo is the left back. Uh, Gabriel playing in the hole with PZ next to him. Down the left is Everton, Cebolinha, Rafa down the right. And up front is the dynamic duo, as I said. The two young guns, Luca Waldschmidt and Darwin Nunez. Let's, uh, let's get into the match here. As I'm going to bring up the notes. And we were, of course, at the Stadio dos Arcos in Vila do Conde. And this is traditionally a very difficult place for Benfica to play. They usually have much trouble here. Um, of course, without a crowd, I don't know that, that that hurts. I don't know if that helps Benfica at all. They're not being a crowd because it's typically a very partisan Benfica crowd at this stadium. But anyhow, there is no fans in the stands, as, as you know. And uh, the pitch seemed to be in pretty good condition. So... Not much for Benfica to worry about in terms of the trip to what is normally a tough location for them. Um, we'll go right in to the minute by minute here as I pull it up and we get the ticker as it's called. And Benfica gets started well again right off the, the front foot. 
And this this is a characteristic of a JJ-led team. There's no question about it. This is one major difference if you were watching last season and you're watching this season. This team comes out flying. I'm concerned. What concerns me is what's going to happen. And we saw it once. We saw it in that game no one wants to talk about, that match in Greece against Pauk that no one wants to talk about. But I'm very concerned what happens when that goal doesn't come early. How will the team respond? Now, the team is playing better now. The team has been together almost two months. Uh, actually, it was about a month ago. So they've been together about five weeks longer than they were in that match. Um, it looks to me like this is turning into a cohesive unit. I think you're seeing this team come together. This team is a long way from being you know, anywhere near their best. Georges Zouj would say just as much. And um there's a lot there's still a lot of improvement to do but you can see a gradual progression in this squad week to week with the exception of that Ferenc game which was a bit of a step back but at the same time you also saw progress in the sense that you saw them overcome a psychological barrier uh having known that Porto had dropped points the nerves were there Georges Zouge pointed it out he said he felt that was the difference this week it looks like that has been addressed because there was no nerves. This team came out confident. This team came out ready to play. This match was in control from the first to the final whistle. Um, very, very solid performance. It wasn't a great performance, but a very solid professional performance from Benfica. And it would it would not take long. It would be in the fifth minute. Benfica would get on the board, and it is Jean-Luc Waldschmidt with an assist from Everton Sobolinha. This is a beautiful goal. It starts with a cross from Andre Almeida. He he whips it across. And Darwin Nunez actually gets to it first, and he flicks it. He gets he gets himself in good position, and he flicks it towards the back post where uh, Everton is running onto it. Everton then uh, uses a bit of creativity to use the outside, or I should say, use the inside of his left heel as he does a little bit of a trick play. But there was he a shot was going to be blocked by the Riuav defender. The Riuav defender was definitely standing in his line to goal. He could have crossed it conventionally, but it would have given the defender time to react. Instead, Darwin uh, you know, uses his right, foot to fake and you and then uses the inside of his left heel to flick the ball back in towards the penalty spot right on to the stride of an on-running Luca Waldschmidt and with the goalkeeper now out of position and a field player standing on the line Luca Waldschmidt with his left foot just absolutely sends a missile into the upper netting uh, under the bar of course and into the upper netting Benfica ahead 1-0 in the fifth minute and this was exactly what we needed in this match. I have said, and I said last episode, and I was very concerned about this match because Benfica have a treacherous, um, almost tragic record after international breaks. It's almost a given that on the back end of an international break, Benfica come in sluggish, Benfica come in sloppy. Guys like Everton and Otamendi played in South America earlier in the week, okay? They were flying from places like Bolivia and from Brazil and Argentina. Uh, Otamendi, for example, played his second match in Bolivia before flying back to Europe. Okay, long, long journey. Both of them very, very long flights. Other players also uh, away with national teams. Vertonghen, Rafa, um, Waldschmidt was with the German national team. 
Odi with the Greek national team. A lot of players scattered throughout Europe and the world, um, to to be exact. And um, normally they come in sluggish. They come in jet lag. They come in tired into these matches. I expected some more changes, but JJ is not having any of that. No excuses. I like this about JJ, okay? He does not take excuses, and he puts a strong team on the field. And he puts his best 11 out there, and he gets a solid performance, like I said. And it starts right off the bat flying as Waldschmidt picks up his third goal of the season off a beautiful assist from Cibolina. Two minutes later, and PZ's called for a foul on Ivo Pinto. Carlos Mane, a minute after that, called for a foul on Rafa. And we move ahead to the 10th minute, and there's a foul by Andre Almeida on Carlos Mane, and this was an ugly, ugly collision of knees. Um, Andre Almeida's leg hyperextended, or I should say fully extended, locked, if you will. Um, his knee is locked as he collides knees with Carlos Mane. Yes, the foul was on him. I think the referee got the call right. However, the damage was also felt by him. And um, let me say, I have to be the first. I have to be fair, and I have... I've turned on this microphone and I have criticized Andre Almeida week after week since what June. Um, but my goodness, this, this, this is horrible. And my heart goes out to, to Andre Almeida. Nobody, you never like to see a player get hurt like this. George Jesus would say after the match that it was, you know, grave. It was a very serious injury, a grave injury. And we would find out in the in the following days we have cruciate ligament damage, the the anterior cruciate ligament, the ACL, the MCL. It sounds like his whole knee was torn up. And you know, anytime you extend your leg, anytime your foot gets caught in the ground and your knee is locked like that, and there's contact or there's body weight coming in awkwardly, ligaments just are not meant to hold that type of in- impact. And uh, I'm wishing Andre Almeida the speediest, speediest of possible recovery. The earliest um, they're saying that we can expect him back is possibly April, right towards the end of the season on an optimistic estimate. Very possible that this is it for 2020-2021 for Andre Almeida. And um, nobody likes to see that, okay? Regardless of what I thought of him as a player or even as a leader, okay? This is a human being, and um, I can't even imagine the pain he's feeling. I, uh, A former roommate of mine who I used to play with, a good friend of mine named Igor, shout out Igor, um, did this to his knee when we were younger, just playing in the park. It wasn't even a training. It wasn't a match. It was a pickup game. We were just a bunch of guys in the park kicking the ball around and uh, just took a bad step and, you know, had contact, had a collision. And it, you know, he, I saw him suffer for, for a year. Uh, the rehab was long and arduous. Granted, Andre Almeida will have world-class, you know, facilities and world-class staff to help him recover from this imminent surgery. If he hasn't already been operated, um, this, this requires surgery. There's no way around it. So I'm wishing, of course, the best and the speediest of recoveries to our captain, or one of our captains, Andre Almeida. Um, with that, he needed to be substituted, obviously. 
and it's an opportunity for Gilberto to come on. Gilberto, the former Fluminense, right back, heavily criticized in preseason. Um, I, I personally prefer to trust what I've seen with my eyes on Gilberto, and I have a little bit of an unfair, uh, I wouldn't call it an advantage, but I, I, I saw him play plenty last year in the Brasileiro, and I have a higher view of him than a lot of people. But I've seen a lot more of him. Um, by no means is he a world-class right back, but I think with time and with this manager, Gilberto will be a very serviceable right back. And um, you even saw it in this match that as the match went on, he got better. He got more comfortable. Okay, remember that he didn't even have a chance to warm up. He literally went cold off the bench onto the park um, to replace an injured under Almeida. And, of course, it's the type of injury that leaves players kind of in shock. And the team needs to regroup mentally, and especially when it's the guy wearing the captain's armband, you know. as um, This is the most unfortunate, but for Gilberto, this is his opportunity. And he needs to make the most of it. And I think he got off to a decent start. And for me, he earned he earned himself another start in the position. Um, 16th minute, and Odie comes up with a nice save as Ivo Pinto from the left has a left-footed shot from the right side of the box, saved in the bottom right corner. He was set up by Lucas Piazon. Um, in the 18th minute, we thought we had another. It was Darwin Nunez. This time, finally getting on the score sheet, we thought, on a on a nice tap-in that was set up by his buddy, Luca Waldschmidt, who is just playing astronomical right now. He's just out of the stratosphere with his play. Um, I, I, how could you imagine this type of start for, for a, a German, a young German player coming to Portugal? The culture shock had to had to have uh, set him back, but it doesn't look like it as um, he has just really, he has this, 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 this good wavelength, this good communication, nonverbal communication connection with Darwin Nunez. And here he sets up the Uruguayan. We thought he finally got on the score sheet, but then VAR would rule that he was offside by a toenail and the goal would be, annulled and the result would remain one nil 24th minute. And it's Rafa right footed shot from the center of the box saved in the center of the goal by Pavel Kizek. 28th minute. And it's, uh, it's Darwin Nunez once again with a very nice through ball for Valchmidt, but Valchmidt is called offside. That's another one that went in the goal. We thought we finally had two nil again, but again, VAR would review and overturn the original call on the field as Benfica has another goal annulled by VAR. Correctly so, though. The offside was correct um, as Luca Waldschmidt denied his fourth goal of the season. 31st minute, and we have an attempt blocked. It's Gabriel. My man, Gabriel. Yes, I'm saying it again. My man, Gabriel. He's a bit inconsistent. He's either hot or cold, man. This guy is either on fire or he's ice cold. In this match, he was on fire. All right. Uh, the week before, he was god awful, and in this one, he was he was he was here. Very elevated level for Gabriel, and it um, I guess two weeks of training with with George Zouge was just what Gabriel needed. Uh, his left footed shot here from the box was blocked from outside the box was blocked. 
uh, 32nd minute, Adelon Santos tries a through ball to Bruno Moreira, but the referee blows his whistle as the linesman's flag is up for offside. And in the 36th, we have another attempt blocked. This time it's Riwav. It is Giraldsch. Um, right-footed shot from the left side of the box, but this one is blocked by Superian Vertonghen. Um, we had a, another nice play by Otamendi in the next in sequence, winning a ball and starting up a counterattack. That finishes with Gilberto winning a free kick in the attacking half. Ensuing free, ensuing free kick would end up with Darwin being called for a handball in the 42nd. But in the 43rd, another attempt blocked. It's Darwin Nunez once again. And his right-footed shot from the center of the box is blocked, set up perfectly on a platter by Gianluca Waldschmidt, his strike partner. And that will take us to halftime. And... Actually, that will not take us to halftime. I stand corrected because in the 45th minute, we finally, 45th plus three, we finally get that all-important second goal. And this goal is crucial because if this game goes back into the locker room, into the team room, 1-0, Riwava are going to be confident that they can reorganize, that they can come out, they can stymie Benfica a little bit more. Um, Riwava, to their credit, as a lot of people say to their credit, maybe it's not a credit because it's not successful when Portuguese teams try to do this, but they came out and they tried to play against Benfica. Um, they didn't sink deep lines into the, into their area. They didn't sit in a deep, you know, block. Um, they tried to play and basically gave Benfica all kinds of space as a result. Finally, as we said, it is 45 plus three. And again, it is the dynamic duo as this time it's Darwin Nunez setting up none other than Luca Waldschmidt. And Waldschmidt makes it 2-0 with a left-footed shot from the center of the box. Bottom left corner. Another assist for Darwin Nunez. And Benfica's front strike pair is very, very productive this season. You cannot dispute that okay there are people saying that darwin needs to score goals because of his price tag i say i say what difference does it make who scores the goals if he's creating them yeah he's a forward but if he's doing the work and the ball is going in the goal if he's get a goal or an assist that is the same amount of production that is a mathematic uh formula they are both worth the same okay at the end of the day, it is the goals for the team that count. Um, it's not endless dribbles in midfield. It's not, It's not. you know, um, flipping the ball over defenders' heads, bringing it down, putting it through their, their legs, and then passing it sideways. No, it is an assist, which leads to a goal. Whether he scores the goal or it's Valschmidt or it's anybody else, that shouldn't make a difference. If your forward has four assists from four matches, he is doing his job and he is a good investment. The goals are going to come. Anybody watching can see that the goals are going to come. It's only a matter of time. This kid is just getting his Benfica career started so well. It's hard to remember a Benfica player coming in from outside Portugal this young, this early, with this type of expectation and delivering so soon. Very, very good first four matches from the Uruguayan international Darwin Nunez. And, of course, 
phenomenal start to the season for the German international. Luca Waldschmidt. It's 2-0 to Benfica, and they go into the team room with that lead. And I'm going to take a quick break on the podcast and on YouTube. Um, I'm going to take a quick pause, grab a swig of water, and when we return, we will get into the second half of Riuav Benfica here on Mr. Benfica on the PTB Media Network. I am the Mr. Mike Agostinho, and we'll be right back. The second half will begin. Okay. Uh, no changes to speak of. Neither team goes to the bench at halftime. As in the 51st minute, Befica pick up right where they left off. And it's Darwin again, a right-footed shot from outside the box. Close, but he misses just left. And everybody's talking about this, whether you're watching it on Sport TV, whether you're watching BTV whether you're watching TVE's Maj football show, whether you're listening to me, you're listening to Benfica Podcast, Benfica Independent, Benfica FM, whoever you're listening to, everyone is pointing out that it's. you can see the entire team is working for, for Darwin to get his first goal. They're trying to set him up. I'm not so sure I really want the team doing that, to be honest. Again, like I said, if the ball's going in the net, it's going in the goal. Whether it's him or it's someone else, at the end of the day, it counts the same for the team. I get why they're doing that. They're trying to pick up his confidence. Um, he may be he may be feeling a little bit down that he hasn't put one in the goal yet, as we saw him pound the ground when he got an assist. Um, I didn't mention it there when he got the assist to Darwin to uh, Balschmidt in the previous in the previous goal. He was a little upset with himself that he had to pass it up, but he made the right decision. Okay. And I want Darwin to make the right decision. I don't want him to change his mind and start looking for a goal. We see this sometimes with Cristiano Ronaldo, okay? And clearly, these two players are not even in the same solar system. But it's not fair to to compare Darwin to Cristiano Ronaldo in any way. However, this is something you see when, when Cristiano hasn't scored in a while or in a match. You see him start to, he gets the license. And when you're CR7, you, you get that license, and that's the right thing to do to start shooting from everywhere, from anywhere, to start looking for that goal. All right, he's, and he takes all the free kicks, all the penalty kicks. You know, he's on the end of every cross. He's trying desperately to get that goal. Um, I don't really want to see Darwin worrying about that right now. Okay, Darwin is, is at a stage in his career. He's at the very, very start. He's in the launch pad, okay? Okay, he has the potential to be a rocket ship that just blows up and, you know, shoots into the sky. And I don't want to see him psychologically getting worried about being the one to score goals. I don't care about his price tag. I say this week after week after week. I don't care about that. Okay, the market is inflated. Benfica are overcharged for are over uh, charged for players. There's commissions involved in that. Okay, you can't look at that transfer number as a true value. Okay, 
the markets all over the place. Okay, this takes a little bit of, of market, you know, understanding. And I'm not here to talk about that, obviously, but just to, to you know, just to give a, a quick um, explanation or a quick, it's just, listen, it is like when, okay, so there's less money floating in the market now. Okay, so when you, so the price of a commodity goes up. In this case, the players are the commodities. What you're seeing is a lot of teams right now don't have the money to purchase players. They are swapping players to lower that price. Case in point, Benfica and Manchester City make that deal for Ruben Diaz. Otamendi gets included to lower that price because that kind of cash is just not on hand. All right. Benfica made the decision because their cash is on hand. Because Benfica sold Juan Felix. They have more cash on hand or they have more cash flow at least and have access to more cash than other teams because of that giant sale last year. Not to mention, they probably were 75% sure they were going to make another big sale this, this season, and they did. So, you know, they they had good credit in, in, picking, up, um, in picking up Darwin Nunez for the price they did. But part of the reason they had to pay that much was because of their own success. The other teams know Benfica have the money and will pay it. Benfica right now have been able to sign players that they would never be able to compete for otherwise because of the cash on hand or because of the cash flow that they have. Their their access to funds because of good business deals done. And for as much as I criticize Luis Felipe Vieira, and um, you know you heard about it on the top, <laughs> if we want to sidetrack for a second and talk about his appearance on Trio de Tac, that's going to be another episode. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I got another episode coming. Um, I took I took notes last night rather than recording this episode like I had originally planned. The one you're listening to now, I decided to watch the entirety of that interview, that Luis Felipe had interview on, on RTP's Trio de Tac. And I will release an episode Shortly in the next couple of days, with my reaction to that, I'll recap it. I'll give my opinion on that. But for all that I have criticized the president and may continue to do, if he if he does in fact win this election, which I'm gonna go on the record and say I think he will, I just think that it's it's gonna be very hard for any opposition to beat him when the opposition votes are being split. That's just the way that I look at it from a sheer numbers and probability standpoint. So I'm pretty sure I will still continue to find things to criticize this president about. Um, one thing I have to give due is we have made good sales. We have more money than this, the rest of this league, maybe the rest of the league combined. Who knows? I haven't seen the financials, but um, yes, we have been much less hurt by COVID than most teams, not just in Portugal, but most teams. There's reasons for that. Good sales is one of them. We have our own television network that generates additional revenue. Okay, we have some of those pet projects, some of those pet investments that the president has that we don't like, that we would like to see reinvested into the football club. Well, they, those at least have some value, and those keep us more stable than our rivals because we don't just dump the money into football players who may or may not turn out. So what happens is Befica have been able to sign Players like Darwin, players like Waldschmidt, players like 
Jan Vertonghen, Otamendi, because Everton Cibolinha, Pedrinho was last year, but Everton Cibolinha, these players would have never been a possibility in a normal market. If the other, if the other teams, the other players in the market weren't hurting so much for cash, Benfica would have had a hard time assembling this strong of a team. Okay. But because Benfica are where they are financially, players realize this is the best deal they're going to get in this current, in this current, um, in this current situation, this current economic situation, you know, most teams are crippled by COVID. Benfica survived it. Benfica, um, you know, have, have made a couple sales and they're good. And they're going to stand to make more money with Carlos Vinicius if he does, in fact, uh, go at the end of the season. Um, so on that standpoint, Benfica have done, have done well enough to put themselves in a position where they could sign these players. Our rivals can't do it, either of them. Okay, you saw them. And because of the financial situation at our rivals, you could see that they couldn't even sell players for their true value. They had to undersell everybody because everybody knows that those clubs were desperate to sell. So back to where we were talking about Darwin Nunez. Let's not get hung up on that 25 million or whatever it was euro price tag for his services. Again, like I said, this is a five-year investment. This guy's already producing some dividends in year one, all right, in month one, quarter one, if you look at it from a financial standpoint. It's not the the max. It's not what it's going to be. But already there's a little bit of dividends, you know, being sprinkled in. Um, And I don't care if he scores or assists. If he's doing one or the other, that is the same number of production. That is the same value, the same mathematic property in terms of goals produced whether he's the one that pushes it across the line or the one that sets up the whoever's going to push it across the line at the end of the day these are goals Benfica are scoring and this was things we weren't able to do last season let's be honest okay we could not get goals down the stretch and when we did we gave them up as a result uh, you know right after so George Zouche has already sewed up two things and I like this this defense you know you remove the Ferenc game and it really looks good this defense, when Jan Vertonghen is there, all right, has given up very few goals. Okay, you go through, they gave up one, I believe, one against Famalicão. And the three, and I think the three against uh, Ferenc, and that's it. Four matches, four goals allowed. You take out the one game where we gave up three, and it's, it's a, an even better number. And I like that Benfica at both ends of the pitch, defensively and offensively, are increasing their their number. Okay, they're increasing their production, whether it's scoring goals or preventing them. Those are the two numbers that that matter the most. Everything else is open to interpretation. Everything else may be an important piece to a final product, but those two things are the final product. Goals scored, goals allowed. That, at the end of the day, is what decides who wins and who loses. So it's good to see Benfica improve on that. All right, I digress. Let's get back to the match, and we'll move ahead to minute 60. We'll go right into the hour mark, and it's a substitution for Riuav Jelson. Comes on Tarantini, the experienced, experienced 
midfielder, the captain of Chihuahua, comes off. Also, in the same stoppage, Ronan replaces Geraldo, and Pelé, our former youth product, Pelé, now a Guinea-Bissau international, uh, replaces Bruno Moreira. And Jorge Jesus will counter that move in the 65th minute, and he will replace Everton, Sabolinha, with Ulian Weigel. And I'm still waiting for, for big things from Ulian Weigel under Jorge Jesus. I think he's a project that, that the manager is working on. I do. I truly believe that. All right. And this is an interesting substitution. I think it's a good move. Um, it changes the look of the team. But Everton clearly was not himself in this match again. He, uh, but it's understandable. He'd been halfway around the world this week, and not easy to get off a plane after flying that long and having played at altitude. On top of that, um, with with Brazil, and um, he he is he is given the rest of the night off at the 65th minute. Good move by Jorge Jesus. And in the 69th, it looks like we're going to get a penalty, okay? This is a very nice play from Darwin Nunez. What a game this kid had. As he gets, he, he beats his, his defender. He gets goal side of him, starts running at the goal from the, from the left side. Okay, so he's making a straight dart center from the left into the box. He is taken down, and the referee points to the spot. It is a penalty kick, but... Then you see the referee with his hand to his ear. And he is informed that Darwin Nunez was, in fact, offside at the start of the play. Now, this this has caused some controversy. I Watching it live and watching the replay, he looked on. He looked even to me. I, I guess even isn't even a thing anymore because now when you're when you've got VAR you know, measuring it out to the centimeter, it's kind of, it's almost impossible to be completely even. We would have called this even before VAR. Um, and if you watch the lines of the lawnmower, the lines cut into the, into the pitch, he looks even. The reason the flag didn't go up is because they're even on the line. Well, people have verified that. In fact, <laughs> the pitch was cut and the lines were crooked. So that, that, created a little bit of an optical illusion. Amazing that on the VAR, it shows them 43 centimeters offside. I mean, it's not a lot, but you'd think that that would be something that you could see with the naked eye. Um, but another opportunity for Befica called back. A VAR was not our friend in this match. I don't think the VAR was wrong on any instance. I think it was a lot of bad luck in regard to the VAR. And in the 75th minute now, it's another substitution for Riwav. Diego Lopes replaces Lucas Piazon. And Gabriel Zinu replaces Carlos Manet. Gabriel Zinu gave us a hard time last season, if you remember. Um, and he gets a, an opportunity right off the bat in his first uh, play in the match as he has a right-footed shot from the center of the box, but blocked by Nicolas Otamendi, a very, very good game, in my opinion, for Otamendi. He makes a quite a nice partnership with uh, Superian Vertongen. Yes, they're a little, they're on the wrong side of 30 for some people, but they are central defenders. They are central defenders. How many great central defenders have we seen 
play well into their 30s. I mean, look, our rivals have a 52-year-old Pep who is still their best central defender. And if you watched the national team last week, Pep playing next to Ruben Diaz looks about 10 years younger than he does playing at, at Porto. But um, it's uh, I think I think this is a good pairing for the time being and for, for the season and for next season. They're both at stages in their career where they can still log minutes. We'll see what we get from from uh, Lucas Verissimo in, in January if he does, in fact, come. And we'll see what we get from this this kid we picked up from Barcelona B. A lot of people are very, very high on him as well. So um, there's a lot of matches. We're going to be playing twice a week for the next several weeks. So there's going to be opportunities for a lot of guys to play 77th minute. And Gilberto goes into the book for a bad foul on Gelson. And in the 79th, Gabriel with another left-footed shot outside the box blocked. Gabriel covered a lot of territory in this match. And um, when we get to the goal point in a little bit, you will see that he actually uh, he, he was the man of the match, statistically speaking, or analytically speaking, uh, through goal point. And when you look at his heat map, it, it's interesting because you think of the contrast of Gabriel to Julian Weigel. Um you know, in that position. And the criticism on Weigel is that he sits between the two center backs, passes the ball sideways, um, which I think is what we needed last week against, against uh, Fares. So that, you know, isn't always a bad thing, but when you see the heat map, um, Gabriel covers more space than Weigel. It's true. Uh, I'm a big fan of Julian Weigel and I hope that he, that the manager can find a spot for him and can get something out of that immense talent that are, that is in that player. And I hope that he's just not a bad, that he's not just a bad fit for George Zouche because he is a very, very talented player. 79th minute. And it's Otamendi's turn to go in the books for a foul on Ronan. JJ will go to the bench again in the 80th. He'll make a double substitution. Nuno Tavares comes in. And replaces Rafa. So we're going to take a wing back and play him a little further up the pitch. I don't mind the substitution one bit when you're winning 2-0. Why not put a guy that uh, with speed that can break out on the counter, but that also has some defensive um, some defensive mentality and some defensive instincts as well as um, just blazing speed on the left side to help out with uh, the cover for, for Grimaldo. Rafa comes off. And also Harris Seferovic, the Swiss assassin, replaces the one the Uruguayan wonder kid, Darwin Nunez, 80th minute. And this time it is Hiwav's evil Pinto who goes in the book. Yellow card for a bad foul. And we get another attempt missed in the 83rd minute. And it is Harris Seferovic who misses on the right. He was he got on the end of a cross from PZ. Seferovic's header misses, but the ball does fall right into the stride of one Gabriel Pirzapelt. And Gabriel will score and open up his goal scoring tally for this season and complete his his superb match with a goal. Benfica make it 3-0. And from there, Benfica see out the result. Not much else to talk about. Weigel goes in the book for a foul at 90 plus one. And at 90 plus four, the referee will blow his whistle for full time. And Benfica will take the victory. 
and move to four victories in four matches. And um, let's take a look at the goal point now and see what that the analytics have to say about this performance for Benfica. If you see on your screen, it's coming up. If you're watching on, uh, if you're sorry, if you're listening on the podcast, I will exp- I will read it to you. So you see on the left hand side, Mario Silva's Riwav, zero point two expected goals. Benfica limited them to literally no chances. Uh, a team average rating of five point fifteen for Riwav. Um, the goalkeeper Kishek with a four point six. Ivo Pinto, 4.8. Borokovic, 6.0. Tarantini, 5.4. Adrlan Santos, 6.1. Felipe Agus, 5.3. Monti with a 6.0. Carlos Manet, 4.0. Gerald, 5.3. Piazon, 4.6. And Bruno Moreira, 4.4. Benfica frustrated Hiwav. To say the least, this was not the Hiwav we normally see. But a lot of that is due to... is is a credit to the way Benfica played and the way they controlled the match. Um, you can see George's Benfica team there with the 6.30 average rating. Benfica's expected goals was 1.7. They got three. So that's a good showing for Benfica. Odie in goal got a 6.6. Under Almeida, of course, injured very early. No rating. Otamendi with a 5.6. Vertonghen with a 5.8. Grimaldo, 6.0. Everton Sobolino with a 5.9. Luis Fernandes, Luis Afonso Fernandes, better known to you and I as Peasy, with a 6.1. Serviceable performance. Gabriel, the man of the match here, with an 8.4. Analytically speaking, the man of the match. Luca Waldschmidt, not that far behind him. He was it would have been my pick for man of the match. Luca Waldschmidt with two goals and then an assist that was taken away. Uh, 7.9 for Waldschmidt, Rafa with a 5.2, uh, Darwin with a 6.3, and then we see ratings for substitutions there. Gilberto earning a 5.8 off the bench, and Weigel with a 5.9 despite only playing 20 minutes in this match. Nuntovar and Seferovic do not earn a rating. Now let's look at the man of the match here. It is Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Pirge is what it says there on your screen with a goal. He had seven uh, progressive or forward passes uh, correctly. Three for two on dribbles, or two for three, I should say. Three dribbles attempted, two completed. He he was fouled five times. He had five defensive actions in the adversary's midfield, uh, four interceptions, and a very, very nice eight uh, ball recoveries. And I said, I pointed to his heat map. And if you can see it there, I'm pointing to it. As you can see, he spent a lot of time. Normally when Weigel plays that position, at least the way he's played it since he arrived, he sits in this area here. Gabriel, you can see, spent most of his time just slightly left or just slightly right to it. But he does spend most of his time in his own half also. Um, But a very, very good performance from this Gabriel now the statistics, uh, sh- total shots, four to Hiwav, 13 to Benfica, shots on goal, two to Hiwav, six to Benfica, uh, total actions in the adversary or in the opponent's area, 12 from Hiwav to 30 from Benfica, each team with four corners, 
Pass efficiency, Benfica 81% um, efficient with the passes. Chihuahua with the also respectable 79%. Uh, when it comes to the vertical pass, Benfica just slightly better at 64% to Chihuahua 60. Here's a stat where Benfica blew them out of the water. Um, it is defensive actions in the opposition's midfield. And Benfica 24 actions in Hiwav's midfield. That means Benfica playing higher up the pitch, playing in Hiwav's end of the field and being very successful at doing so. Fouls uh, committed 14 for Hiwav, 17 for Benfica and statistic. Uh, ball possession, Benfica 53 to 47%. All right. Um, I know this was a little bit of a quicker episode, but that is going to do it for episode 89 here of Mr. Benfica. Let's just quickly actually go through the table here as I pull it up on the screen. As most of you are seeing this, if you're listening on the podcast, of course, as always, I will read you the table. So after four rounds, Benfica, top of the table, perfect, 12 points. From twelve from four matches, 13 goals for three against. I had said four earlier. It's actually three against a plus 10 goal difference. Porto second, five points back with seven. Sporting also on seven in third. And Santa Clara and Vitoria Guimarães round out fourth and fifth also on seven points. Braga already up to six. Uh, they have six points, as does Maritimo. Fomalicão are eighth with five. Bolinish Sad, our next opponents, also with five, as is as is Nacional and Moreirens and Gil Vicente. And then Pas Ferreira with four. Portimonense with four. Chihuahua in 15th with three. While Tondela, Boa Vista, and Farens are in the relegation zone early on. Uh, two points for Tondela and Bovista, one point for Farens thus far. Let's take a look at the statistical leaders. We'll start with scorers. And right now, the top scorer in the league belongs to Maritimo. It is Rodrigo Pino. He's got five. Luca Waldschmidt, Tiago Santana right behind him. Tiago Santana of Santa Clara. They have four apiece. Seferovic is fourth with three. And he shares that spot with Ruben Lamedej of Famalicão. While we have a whole slew of players with two. And move to assists. And that's where we see Darwin Nunez. Top of the list with four assists. And Everton is second with three assists. So we have the first and second best assist players right now. Or assist givers in the league. Alex Tells is third with two, but he is gone no longer at Porto. He's part of Manchester United now. Ryan Gold has two, as does Angel Gomez, Tecatito Carona, Wanderson, and Wanderson Galeno. And then a whole slew, 50 or so players with one. All right, so let's go to next week's matches. All right, we're going to look at round number five before we... We say goodbye for this episode. And the round gets started off on the 23rd of October on Friday. Tondela hosting Portimones. On October the 24th, Nacional host Passos Ferreira. Santa Clara host Sporting in the Azores in São Miguel. Football Club of Porto will host Gil Vicente. And then Sunday, we've got Farense hosting Rio Ave. 
Maritimo traveling to Moreirense, Famalicão at home to Boavista, and the Minho Derby this Sunday. Vitória Guimarães hosting Sporting Braga. Benfica on Monday will host Bolinish Sad. Don't forget, Benfica playing Thursday, October the 22nd. Um, by the time you hear this, you probably will have already watched the match. It's an early one. It's a 12.55 p.m. Eastern time kickoff here in the United States. 5.55 or 17.55 in Portugal. Benfica travel to Poland to take on Lech Poznan in match day one of the Europa League group stage. And of course, this weekend or Monday at the latest, there will be a, another episode of Benfica, Mr. Benfica reviewing that precise match there. Okay, so we will have a Europa League match review coming your way in the coming days. And that is going to do it for this episode 89. Thank you for joining me, whether it's on YouTube or on the podcast. If you're on the podcast, don't forget, you can find Mr. Benfica on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Spotify, you name it. We are there. iTunes, um, sorry, tune in. We're on every, on virtually every single podcast platform um, with Mr. Benfica. So do follow the show. And if you can, please Give it a rating wherever ratings are available. That will give um, more people the opportunity to find this show. If you're watching on YouTube, please go to the bottom of the screen there. Hit subscribe and hit the little bell next to it so that you get alerted when I put out more content on YouTube. I'm, I'm trying to increase the U, the YouTube subscriptions this month. All right, that's going to be my goal. We got nine days or ten days left in the month. I'm going to try to gain um gonna try to double my my youtube subscriptions if possible try to get more plays so that more people can find this show and hopefully by finding it on youtube it will lead them to the podcast because that's ultimately where i want you to listen um but that is gonna do it like i said for this week or for this episode rather and i will catch you in a couple days um with either one of the following Uh, the next time you hear from me, it'll either be a review of the Fluish Fleet interview on Trio de Tac, a women's team review, or it'll be a review of tomorrow's Europa League match. So enjoy the rest of your week, Benfica Nation. And I'll be back with you very soon here on Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. Follow me, of course, on Twitter at Benfica Mr. on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. And don't forget, Feel free to shoot me an email, the Mr. Benfica at gmail.com. Carrega Benfica, Força Benfica, we are Benfica, Porto do Zoom. That's it, Plurubus Unum. And I will see you next week or next episode here on Mr. Benfica. Thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of the week. Mm-hmm.